0: Welcome back to BlackValor.net. I'm your host, Jamie M. Parks. This is episode two of our podcast, and we're going to continue talking about the all-black rangers in the Korean War. So we'll finish that up today. I just want to remind everyone that if you want to check out the site, you can go to www.BlackValor.net. Also, you can find the podcast on iTunes and subscribe there. Just search for Black Valor in the podcast area. We have a Facebook page, and that's a Black Valor page. Also, you can get information through Twitter at Black Valor 1010 or Google Plus at the same Black Valor 1010 So hopefully you enjoyed our last podcast and episode one of Black Valor I talked about the background of the 2nd Ranger Battalion. Now we will wrap up the history of the all-black Rangers. They were the first and only all-black Ranger Infantry Company. We left off the last time with the formation of the regiment at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. To backtrack a little, there were additional black units stationed in the Spring lake Cantonment area of Fort Bragg. Those units included the 3rd Battalion, 505th Infantry Regiment, the 80th Anti-Aircraft Artillery Battalion, and the 758th Tank Battalion, Airborne, which supported the 82nd Airborne Division. Some of these men found their way into the 2nd Ranger Battalion prior to their mobilization for Korea. The Buffalo Rangers left Fort Benning on 3 December 1950 and they took a circuitous 29 travel days to get to Korea. Their route took them through... New Orleans, California, and Hawaii before they arrived in Taegu, Korea on 30 December. One of the few negative experiences the group faced actually occurred a short distance from their home base in North Carolina once they made a stop in Columbus, Georgia. At Columbus, there was a train porter that led the group inside the main entrance of the station, knowing that the station manager would object. Now, Obviously, segregation was still very much alive in 1950, and this train porter thought it would be funny, but as would be expected, the station manager forced the troops to actually leave the station and re-enter through a side entrance, but for the most part, their trip was uneventful. Once the second rangers arrived in-country, meaning they are in Korea, the unit was attached to the 187th Regimental Combat Team under the command of Colonel Herbert B. Powell. By 4 January 1951, the regiment headed north for battle. They experienced combat for the first time just short of the Tanyang Pass on 7 January 1951, going to their final destination, which was Chang Nam Upon arrival at Chang Ni, The paratroopers established platoon-sized patrols and they searched for guerrilla units that were harassing the main supply route. This was the primary road that was being used to get troops from the south of Korea and send them up north. Their job was to keep that open and have no disturbance for the troops and the material that was going north. Tragedy struck the group shortly after they began operations. Sergeant First Class Isaac E. Baker was the company's first KIA, so first person killed in action. On 14 January, Lieutenant Warren Allen almost met his end, but he was saved from a bullet to the chest. He kept a prayer book his wife sent him in his breast pocket, and it deflected the bullet. Cold temperatures and sustained enemy action did take their toll on the unit's manning, which was compounded. By the segregationist policies of the army, the weather, the enemy action all served to create casualties for this unit, just as it did for other units that were there. But the problem was that they could not replenish their forces like the other white units. Through February 1951, the Second Ranger Company could only depend on 61 to 70 percent of their troops actually being present for duty owing to injuries or illness. The Army rushed replacements and they arrived 28 February, but they lacked critical winter training that the veteran members had received at Camp Carson, Colorado as part of their normal training. So these replacements were pretty much just sent over as soon as they could to flesh out the numbers for the unit. United Nations forces desperately sought ways to reverse losses at the hands of the Communist forces and the U.S. Army conceived Operation Tomahawk to turn the tide. Plans for Operation Tomahawk centered on dropping rangers at the town of musan which was 24 miles northwest of Seoul, on 23 March. Once on the ground, the rangers were to cause a panic withdrawal of the enemy. As I mentioned in the first podcast, a good portion of the training that these men received before being sent to Korea was on attacking behind enemy lines, interdiction, things to disrupt enemy forces. And so this was the Army's way of putting that into practice. The airdrop represented the first airborne assault by the U.S. Army Rangers. Also, this was the first combat jump that would be made by all black troops. So, to clarify, The first black paratrooper to participate in a combat jump was Lieutenant Richard E. Robinson. He was actually with the 187th Regimental Combat Team, Asokchon, Korea. Lieutenant Robinson was the only black officer with the 187th Airborne Regimental Combat Team, and so he became the first black paratrooper in the history of the U.S. Army to make a combat jump. The standard combat load carried by the Rangers included a duffel bag, a light combat pack, two days of rations, extra socks, field jacket, sweater or long johns, hand grenades, one or two ammo bandoliers, jump knives, and pistol. Furthermore, each man carried a 60 millimeter mortar round which would be provided to the mortar company upon landing. So each of them would carry the round, and then once they landed, they would collect all those together for the mortar companies. So it just distributed the weight and allowed them to bring much more ammunition for the fight to come. Uh, The primary aircraft carrying the Rangers included the C-119 flying boxcar, which was distinct as it had uh, two booms in the back and high wings, which made it look as if it was a flying boxcar which is how it got its name, and the C-46 Commando, which you can uh, see pictures of those aircraft on the website if you go into the gallery to get an idea of what they look like. Despite frigid temperatures and the low-level flight path of the aircraft, the airdrop was a resounding success. Some Rangers remarked that after the shock of their chutes opening, they were on the ground within two oscillations. Oscillations occur when the parachutists swing from one side to the other as air escaped from either side of the parachute as they're landing. So that gives you an indication of how close they actually were to the ground once they jumped out of the aircraft. Not ideal, but for the most part, everything went as planned and they were down quickly. Two members though, landed next to an enemy mortar position, but luckily they dispatched the enemy while they were still in shock at these men falling from the sky right on top of their position. By 0920, the entire company was on the ground and headed towards their objective, which was securing Hill 151. Throughout this period, only two Rangers experienced notable injuries on the drop. In total, six officers, 95 enlisted men, and two Korean officers completed the jump. General Matthew Ridgeway, arrived at the drop zone to assess the situation, and he was particularly impressed that within the first 30 minutes, 60% of the unit was in the assembly area. And at this time, General Ridgway was the man in charge of the Army forces there in Korea. 1st Sergeant Lawrence West was one of the key members helping organize the assembly area while enemy troops lobbed mortar rounds into the drop zone. Once on the ground, the Rangers had immediately set about destroying machine gun and mortar positions on their way to their objective. 1st Sergeant West was credited with single-handedly disabling a machine gun position by sneaking up on the crew and dropping a grenade on them. Within two hours of completing their jump, the Buffalo Rangers were the first units to capture their objective. While any loss of life is tragic... By the end of the first day, the company had only one soldier KIA and four slightly wounded. Private First Class William Van Dunk, who was actually a Native American and the medic from 2nd Platoon, was killed while clearing the forward slopes of the objective. In return, the 2nd Ranger Company counted 30 dead enemies, 10 wounded and 60 captured. Combat losses were particularly problematic for the 2nd Ranger Company because the army lacked a steady reserve of black soldiers to replenish their ranks, and those who arrived, as I mentioned before, were woefully unprepared and they lacked that high level of specialized training that the original rangers had received. The Musanee airdrop represented the first and last time an all-black unit would parachute into enemy territory. During the Korean War, the U.S. Army finally addressed the inefficiency of enforcing segregation within the ranks. Slowly, replacements landing in Korea began to get distributed throughout the theater without regard to race. By October 1951, the Army actively began a three-year process of integrating all units. As a result, soldiers who were in the 2nd Ranger Company became subsumed into other army units. So they were just farmed out and put into the units that were existing. While the reputation of the all-black 24th Infantry Regiment was tarnished during the war, the performance of the Buffalo Rangers was above reproach. So there was much talk about the 24th Infantry not holding their ground throughout the war in Korea, discipline problems, and really it was overblown because... These were the same things that occurred in white units and also the shock of the initial attack by the North Koreans caught everyone by surprise. And there was very few people in the army who were stationed there who could stand their ground in that onslaught when they were mainly performing garrison duties as a majority of troops were stationed in Japan and not Korea at the time. So well earned or not, they got the reputation of being a poor outfit. And it was mainly based on their race. But the second was completely at the opposite spectrum of those opinions of people because they performed so well just in the uh, holding actions, keeping the enemy out of the MSR, keeping those troops flowing and the equipment, but also through the attack at Musani. In a Time News article that was actually published 11 June 1951, General MacArthur noted. I have one criticism of Negro troops who fought under my command in the Korean War. They didn't send me enough of them. Further praise came from Major General Claude B. Ferenbaugh, who was the 7th Infantry Division Commander, and he spoke eloquently of the Buffalo Rangers during a spot check of the unit on 30 July 1951. And I'll just read you some of what he stated. General Ferenbaugh proclaimed during this period, You were faced with many difficult and daring assignments. You participated in steady, large-scale advances, tactical withdrawals, followed by counterattacks, and pursuit of the enemy and countless patrols. You were handicapped at times by the lack of replacements for your combat losses, but at the same time willingly accepted responsibilities of the missions normally assigned to an infantry rifle company with twice the number of personnel. It is by virtue of superior leadership, unusual courage, and dogged determination on the part of each of you that you were consistently able to accomplish each mission and secure each objective with dispatch, honor, and distinction. So high praise from General Ferrenbaugh for the second. Throughout the brief history of the all-black Second Ranger Company, 140 men earned the right to be called Buffalo Rangers. 64 members retired from the U.S. Army after 20-plus years of service. Of the estimated 5,000 blacks killed in combat in Korea, 13 belonged to the 2nd Ranger Company. Beginning in 1994, four men were inducted into the U.S. Army Ranger Hall of Fame for performing heroic actions during combat. They include Major James C. Queen, he got his award in 1994, Captain Warren Allen in 1996, Master Sergeant Edward Posey, 2002, and Chief Warrant Officer for Cleveland Valerie in 2005. So that concludes my brief introduction and history on the 2nd Ranger Company, the first, last, and only all-Black Rangers. Again, sources for this are from the Korean War by Max Hastings, Army Infantry Lineage, Rangers in World War II by Robert W. Black. And of course, the best source I found, All Black Rangers, booked by Edward L. Posey. If you enjoyed this podcast, there will be more coming every two weeks, as I promised before. Please take time to visit our site, blackvalor.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave some feedback. i like to hear what's going on and how I'm doing with the podcast. So please leave feedback there or on the website. Also have forums set up on the website to discuss any topic on black military history that you would like. Or if you want to suggest topics for me to cover in the future, you can use the website and list those on the forum. But you can also find us again on Facebook at Black Valor and Twitter and Google Plus at Black Valor 1010. So I'm your host, Jamie Ann Parks, and I say thank you and I'll see you for the next episode.